It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. I should stop drinking tea, shouldn't I? Okay, welcome back, everybody, to the Kriya Yoga Podcast. I'm here again with another very special guest. Uh, his name's David, and he is from Ireland. And um, I met him many years ago at CSA, and we became pretty good friends and stayed in touch. And um, we've been planning to do uh, a podcast together probably for maybe a year and a half to two years, but the time never seemed right. Uh, but about a week ago, we got together and started chatting again, and it seems like everything was falling into place. Um, David, along with being a, a Kriya Yoga practitioner initiated by Roy Davis and also ordained by Roy Davis um, through Center for Spiritual Awareness, um, he works in education and coaching uh, with his own company called Better Life Abroad. Um, so let's just go ahead and welcome David. So thank you for being here today, David. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's nice <laughs> to chat with you. Yeah, you too. Um, <clears throat> so before we started this podcast, one of the things we got to talking about, which I thought we should say for the podcast, was just how did we meet? So when was the first time you made it to CSA? And was that around the time that we we met up? Or was it, do you remember? Because I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. It's um, it was. It, it just seems like I've always known you. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, um, uh, we met back in two thousand and eight. Uh, I attended CSA for the first time, and um, I had made a plan to be there for the full extent of a tourist visa, which is ninety days. So I stayed in CSA for ninety days, and I met yourself and Melissa. Mm -hmm. uh, you were talking with Kathleen down by the pond on CSA grounds, you had either just brought some goldfish with you and put them into the pond, or you were checking up on some goldfish that you had already put in the pond. <laughs> and I just happened to be emptying uh, what you guys call trash, I'll call rubbish. Uh, <laughs> I'm just putting some rubbish down, down to the containers at the end, of, just outside the offices. And um, I bumped into all three of you and Kathleen introduced me to you guys. And I had long hair at the time and I, I think you uh, might have been envious of it because considering how you're long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, 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 I remembered having long hair and then I didn't. And so that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's when we met. That was, it. that was my first time in CSA. And so it probably would have been around June 2008, I'd say, the start of June. Yes. So I wasn't actually in the pond yet putting goldfish. I was just talking about it with Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those lines. You might have already yeah. put them in. You might have been just inquiring whether she was feeding them or what. I'm not sure. But yeah. It, yeah, it's possible. I remember many times trying to stock that pond with goldfish and they either got eaten by raccoons or hawks, so I finally gave up. <laughs> and was there talk of turtles as well? I, I, I vaguely remember that you might have been talking about there was a turtle in the pond. Eating. Yeah, there, there, were, there were at least two big turtles, which probably also contributed to the inability for the goldfish to thrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, way. yeah, before we get a little deeper into um, our own personal history, um, 
Could you say something about the work that you do with Better Life Abroad? I know that's something that you started in the last few years, yeah? Yeah, well, I, I've been over and back to Ireland um, quite a bit. Like, I'm from Ireland, I live in Ireland, but sometimes I've lived abroad. And um, I, my last time coming home to Ireland was in 2015. And I had, um, I suppose, become more, <clears throat> more familiar with what coaching was um, as a, as a skill set. And because I had lived abroad quite a bit, it just seemed natural that I could use that skill set to help people who were experiencing the challenges of living and working in a foreign country. So I just kind of meshed the experience and um, I suppose newly, newly found skills and I put them together to help as many people as I could. I wouldn't say it's a thriving, flourishing business, although all the while I've been teaching English as a foreign language, that's uh, something that I do on the side and just other bits of educational bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, so it's just been a constant over the last four or five years. And uh, it's just uh, allowed me to keep in contact with uh, a variety of cultures and languages and just the things that kind of stimulate me while at the same right. time offering something back. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you like to travel. You're sort of like a, a world traveler, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny the word travel cause I won't get into it, but it, it just, you know, you have different connotations. You've got the backpacker and then you've got the person who lives abroad. Um, I've done more of the living abroad than the backpacking. Um, right. uh, I still, it doesn't mean that I don't uh, like to go backpacking, but it's just, I always have a tendency to get, they end up living in the place. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm a bit wary about going anywhere these days. I haven't left Ireland uh, very frequently. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we were supposed to come and visit you, but it turns out that things worked out such that I did not buy, I did not buy plane tickets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, with, with, the, with, the, with the bigger vision, you, you can see how everything has worked out perfectly. But back at the time, yeah, you were gutted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ireland is definitely one of those places that um, I've, always, I've always wanted to go. And for some odd reason, never made it. Even though, you know, we, we met up over in England, right, with Richard Fish in 2011 yeah. or so. Yeah, and it's it's just so close. Um, you yeah. had you'd, you'd been up in Scotland as well, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, skip and a jump. Next time. Next time. Yeah. I'll make it happen. But one of the reasons, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you in particular, especially uh, now on, on this podcast at this time, um, was because I remember you at, both at CSA and just in our normal interactions, uh, you know, correspond over email, and then when we met up in England, I remember you being a very intense uh, yogi meditator. I remember going into CSA and, um, you know, I, I could never really do the whole lotus posture bit. I always sit in a chair. And I can remember going into the, the meditation hall and you were always right up there by, the, um, uh, by where Roy would talk and, and you weren't sitting in a chair. You were kind of locked in the lotus posture. Um, so you always seemed very intense in regards to your, your drive with meditation and uh, the Kriya Yoga practice, but you know, as you told me, uh, you, you kind of fell away from it from a bit, right? Yeah, I, I fell away from it. I suppose um, I fell away from it more or less around 2013. Okay, uh, or maybe it was a bit. No, it would have been after. It would have been between 2013 and 2015. Just life circumstances kind of um, had me look at who I was as a meditator, as a yogi, as a, um, as a practitioner. And uh, I suppose I, it, I was just knocked around enough to kind of uh, take a step back and look at what was going on. 
right. when you when you talk about me sitting there in the lotus posture at the altar, I was very intense. I was very very committed to the practice, and at CSA, I used to love going to CSA just for the simple fact that you had so many hours available in the day to just meditate, and I really really loved that. Right. Um, and the actual practice of meditation, I, you know, I still love it, and uh, it's it's something which uh, I look forward to actually sit down and do it. But I think when you talked about me sitting in the lotus posture, that's an interesting thing because, you know, CSA don't, they don't go out outrightly promote sitting in the lotus posture. It's not, you know, I mean, it doesn't help you in your meditation really in any, in any way. But, right. uh, but, you, but you looked good. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And I suppose, <laughs> I suppose I, uh, there's a part of me which was sitting there going, I look good. <laughs> Here I am. And, uh, anybody who walks in, even though, you know, it's an 11-acre site, and I was pretty much, I was in my, on my own there quite a lot because, you know, office staff had gone away or whatever. Uh, and I'd still, but I'd still know in my head that I looked good. <laughs> so it didn't even matter that there was no well, one there. Well, well just, just so you know, when I walked in and saw you, I appreciated it. I thought to well, myself... He looks like a good yogi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there you go. It was working. It was working. <laughs> uh, but just to comment on that, actually, the lotus posture, because I'm back in meditation again and I'm doing it again. But uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because um, I think I started meditating when I was about 22 um, and uh, a couple of years before I'd been to CSA. And I, I just... I had thought that the, the lotus posture was a thing that you needed to be able to do because, well, I got introduced to meditation mostly at, at the start through Buddhism. And if you've ever been to a Buddhist uh, retreat or a Buddhist center, they usually make you sit on the floor. Um, mm -hmm. So I was sitting on the floor and I just thought that that was the way you had to do things. So I practiced it extensively. And then um, a couple of years later, I really wanted to be able to do the full lotus. And so I did that for a while. And I was just, I was just, curious or not even curious frustrated why why if this is supposed to be the posture that you're supposed to be in why can't i just do the full lotus for an hour or two hours without getting these weird pains in my ankles right. so now now when i sit to meditate i've actually given up i still see i do still like to sit cross-legged uh -huh. but i don't need to do the half lotus i don't need to have my leg up on my lap or anything like that right. because i you do after you've given up for a little while and you go back to doing a posture like that you do kind of realize that the knees and the ankles as much as mine are very accustomed to it, but even still, you know, in the long term, if I was to continue doing this for 20 more years sitting in, it's just, it's a funny angle to have your knees and your right. ankles in. So, yeah, I'm not as committed to them, let's say, as I was back in the year. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned that you sort of started to look at yourself and life knocked you around a little bit in that yeah. area. Um, can you, do you mind speaking about, you know, sort of what happened and, and what, what was going on internally that kind of made you reevaluate some things there? Yeah, well, you know, as all, most of our experiences are quite personal. This is a very personal experience for me, so I'm not going to go into all the details of, sure. like, life at that very time. But yeah. essentially, it was um, up until 2013, I had been living very routinely, very dedicatedly, committedly to a practice of morning meditation, evening meditation, and then sometimes in the middle of the day, and then you know, maybe a couple of extra hours and, a, and a one day a week. Um, and then obviously the reading and everything, everything that made someone a good yogi, you know, everything that was kind of expected of him. Right. <laughs> uh, and I was doing it all and I, I was enjoying it. Um, but life presented me with circumstances which 
up until that point, I had had it very easy because uh, I I hadn't the same responsibilities as let's say some of your listeners here. You know, I didn't have a family and I didn't have I did have a job and I had things like that. But you know, I had I was my own man essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got uh, you know uh, life became a little bit more complicated and uh, it just kind of kicked me around in such ways that I was able to, that I was forced I was forced to look at well I'm upsetting people here and I'm upsetting. And then this is causing me to get upset. And even though I have been meditating all this while, none of it's kind of helping the situation. Um, <laughs> uh, and the only real way I could help the situation was just to let go of my fanaticism. Because <laughs> I, when, when I look back now, it was, it was, there wasn't balance. There wasn't, uh, and a, you know, yoga teaches, uh, you know, there's even chants about spirit and nature just being one thing. Um, but even though I had that academically or theoretically in my head all worked out, oh yeah, spirit and nature is the same thing. No <laughs> <laughs> I got that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it was also clear cut uh, in conversations and stuff like that. But in the reality of it, you know, I hurt people, or I and I and as I said, I hurt myself as a consequence, and and I, I made situations more difficult. Um, so you so, so what you're saying is you were sitting there meditating, and someone came up to you and said, "You are hurting me." Um, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 well, it, I suppose that would be like how it would be if it was a cartoon strip cut down to one single frame. It might be like that, but it was a, it, <laughs> it was more that um, I was not attending to uh, not attending to the, the the individuals that were in my life at the time, not attending to uh, responsibilities. I thought I was. Right. Um, but you know what? This is this is me looking at it through my own eyes. If I had you look at the whole, if I was to go into all the details of the situation and all the ins and outs of everything, it, you might say, "No, Dave, you were fine doing the meditation." You know, you might. But it's just I, what I've really learned is life is a really interesting way of you finding meaning in the way that you want <laughs> to right. help you. And I don't know if it's to help you, but it pushes you to go in a way to. That you want to go so basically i maybe maybe there's a part of me that just really wanted to let go of the routine mm -hmm. and let go of all the different aspects of being a yogi that i had um, nurtured and cultivated and maybe there's a part of me that just wanted out of that for a while because i had right. started i know you started from a young age but i i for me too i felt like i started from a young age when i was 22 and you know when i was younger in my early teens and as a child i was quite religious as a catholic as mm -hmm. a and so maybe there was a part of me which just wanted to let loose a little bit, and I put the narrative on the story to facilitate <laughs> my whole letting go. But um, but I, it didn't feel like that at the time. At the time, it felt like the, if I want to make the, these current situation better and easier for everyone that's involved, I need to just take my foot off the pedal of being a yogi in the way I have been and just be a bit more rounded and a bit more uh, balanced in the way I'm living. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's completely valid and important. I mean, I can remember uh, the first five years that I was involved with CSA, you know, like you, I was quite fanatic and who knows, maybe it's just a <clears throat> shared Catholic upbringing okay. um, that, that there's one right way and you better be doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, after about five to seven years, um, I didn't myself mellow out in the sense of what I was doing, but I mellowed out in regards to how I was interacting with friends and family in that area. Yeah. And I found, you know, I actually had a few of my friends say to me, 
I'm so glad you're not acting the same way because it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, a pushing, a pushing people away or, or, or kind of expecting them to be certain ways because I'm a yogi and therefore I should be surrounded by people who are also, that's how I approached it. And that yeah. caused, that caused issues for me. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, sorry, well, well just the judgmental side, you know, people don't want to be around you if you're just looking at them with skewered eyes kind of going, what are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. And, and I, can even, I can even remember uh, early on with Melissa, uh, I was so into it. And she was too, but she wasn't doing it the same way I was because I was a morning person and she wasn't. And I can remember after about a year and a half, I actually thought in, in my mind, you know, well, if she doesn't really get with it. If she doesn't get serious, then I don't know if this relationship is going to work. And yeah. some, somehow, I, somehow that came up to Roy and Roy just pointed at me and said, you leave her alone. <laughs> she, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> was good yeah. to have the advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, and, and back to that whole idea that, that you're talking about, I, I, I don't see it as much now, mainly because I think personally I'm not that way now. Uh, but, you know, when people start taking the whole, their past so seriously that they think everyone else needs to be doing it. I mean, and maybe that's probably not what you were doing, right? You were just kind of holding yourself to a certain standard and that was interfering with your ability to relate to others. Is that what I mean? Yeah, well, like, exactly. Um, and now as we're talking about it, you know, it just feels like it's just uh, uh, something that comes with youth, maybe, you know, in your right. 20s and even in your 30s, you don't really have the same wherewithal. But uh, it's, I think what, what I was doing, because I, as I mentioned, like when I first got into meditation stuff, I was actually living in Spain, my first time living away from home. And when you're traveling and you're, you're, you're going from one country or one city to another and you're living in different places, there is a natural uh, ability to um, make new uh, social circles. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and because I was on this um, you know, uh, quest or, or journey of self-discovery, as it was back then, it was kind of like uh, the whole thing was um, very much... Uh, I, was able to re I was able to reinvent myself every single time I moved to a new place. Mm -hmm. um, which meant that it was easy to lose contact with people from before, you know, now this is personality as well. Not everybody's like this, but it was just, you know, I'd make friends and I'd, I'd be close to people, but because I kept, it kept on happening, it's hard to keep in touch with everybody all the time. And, and when I came back to Ireland, the first time I came back to Ireland was 2008 to live here again. And, uh, it's just, you don't, I, it wasn't really something I went around telling people that I was a meditator and that I was, I, you know, I was an ordained minister with CSA or when it's just, it, it didn't, people do meditate in Ireland. Um, and Buddhism is, is, is really what people practice here more than anything. And I think it's just a consequence of the fact that the Catholic church was a very uh, powerful institution for such a long time that people find it easier to go with uh, a doctrine, which isn't so imposing. It doesn't have all the, religious connotations or all the uh let's say religious background buddhism just because it's not even buddhism people are practicing it could be just mindfulness or something right. like that um and so i didn't really go around flaunting it so i wasn't really looking to be known as a yoga teacher or meditator except when i was actually doing those things with other people all right so in terms of my social life i had friends i had people that were close but i didn't really have any I didn't get very, very close to people just because my practice was more important to me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, want, I didn't want to have the interference of, you know, having to compromise and say, yeah, I'll go to the pub with you and watch you drink 
for <laughs> You know, it's kind of like I didn't, I, I didn't want that interference because uh, I, I just knew Irish culture and I had been outside of it for such a while that right. it was easy for me to be almost like a foreigner in my own country, and it made it very easy for me to pick what I wanted to be part of and not be part of. But it actually, in the long run, isolated me because um, I was just living, as my my dad used to say at the time, he used to just. Uh, he said, "You live like a monk," <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I, and, and that's essentially what had been going on. So, I don't, I don't think I could have, unless I went into monkhood or something like that. But you know, there was a part of me, definitely subconscious tendencies, which just needed to be, um, you know, they, they were being suppressed, uh, right. not, not being managed in a healthy way. So, you can live the yogi life like I could live it, and I was doing it, but there was definitely going to be a breaking point. I just. Um, I didn't see it coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that brings up all kinds of interesting ideas. But, but before we get to those, so I just had an idea. It seems like uh, when when I finally do make it to Ireland, maybe we should schedule some uh, uh, pub discussions. <laughs> As in in the pub and have yeah. a conversation? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, like I'm very, I'm very well versed in that now. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's it's actually interesting with this whole COVID nineteen thing and um, yeah the pubs uh, Irish pubs the future is uncertain. <laughs> it's right. a, the culture might have a whole huge dramatic shift that I hadn't been expecting. <laughs> so, uh, right. Yeah. So hopefully there'll be one open for you. Yeah. Well, instead of yoga studios, we'll just have sessions uh, in, in the pub. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then those changes that you went through, uh, the reason I'm so interested in this is because, you know, I see so many people either that I've met at, at, uh, at retreats or um, people who, who've, you know, attempted to, to, to learn Kree Yoga. I see so many people, they get caught up in this particular image or lifestyle of what it's supposed to be like, that they don't really kind of remember or recognize that, for example, in the Holy Science, uh, Sri Yukteswar talks about how, uh, you know, we practice our, our, our meditation, our yoga on our, on our own, and, and it's our own personal work. And, and we do what we do so that many of us can still be, as he calls them, householders to fulfill their heart's desire, meaning, that they are practicing their yoga and their meditation to realize what is true, but they're also able to fulfill that innate heart's desire of why they kind of incarnated as an individual in the first place, which, which is why not everyone is so, you know, not everyone is, the, is, is exactly the same built like a robot. Yeah, and and even uh, Lahiri Messiah, you know, he was a, a householder. He ended up having five kids after he he met Babaji. So. I just see so many people getting caught up in trying to like live their life like Sri Yukteswar did as he was leading his hermitage or as Yogananda did, not recognizing that we are all unique expressions and, and we, can't, we can't really live like Yogananda in the sense of doing what he did externally. We can do it internally. And then people get, they get so hung up on that that they become in a sense kind of miserable and, and they don't really experience the freedom that, that that the whole spiritual process is supposed to give to them. That's very true. You know, that, 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 that's pretty much it. Maybe we should just end on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice talking. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, you're, um, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, but I, as you were talking there, I was just thinking that, you know, going back to what I said, it's, it's, it's very easy to, you know, cause you read a lot of things. Um, we tend to talk, you hear the information, you receive the concepts, and then you receive an explanation of the concepts, and then you read books, 
about similar, the same concept or a similar concept being explained again, and you come across all this information, there's a whole swarm of information. And then we just highlight with our, uh, with our nice uh, green highlighter pen in our mind, we just go over the things that we deem to be important, and then we make a checklist of all these things that we need to do. And so if, if, we, if I can turn my life as uh, seemingly similar as Sri Yukteswar's or Lahiri um, Mahasha's or whatever, uh, then I'll be able to, you know, I won't be hanging around with people who are going to affect my practice. I won't be uh, breaking my routine in any way. I won't be doing these things. I'll be a good yogi. Right. <laughs> I'll be a very good yogi. And right. you have to tick all those boxes so much easier. And, you're, and there's just this sense of being a, a good person, a good student, mm -hmm. and a good yogi. And I think, you, you know, the sense of guilt that I used to experience anyway, if I missed a meditation session, even if it was for good reason, you know, right. or if it did, if I didn't get the hour session in, if it was just thirty minutes and not the hour, I was like, Oof. you know, it's kind <laughs> of like it's so you're so hard on yourself, um, right. and 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 I think that it's you know we don't actually know what the lives of these great masters were actually like, but I'm one thing sure that they definitely knew how to be flexible, and, yes, and to be self loving and to and to be compassionate with other people, but when you have that such a high standard for yourself. It just, it, it's whether, whether explicitly or, you know, um, covertly, it's you you're holding other people to that similar standard in their mm -hmm. practice. And, in, and, and it just turns you, you can get very nasty as a person inside. And I think mm -hmm. I got there, yeah. Right. Well, you're not saying that you were actually outwardly nasty. You're just saying sort of like the inner dialogue that was going on was kind of yeah. divisive. Yeah, like when I say nasty, maybe I'm even a bit hard on myself now, but it's def there was judgment, you know, there's definitely a judgment going on because if you're able to be judgmental of yourself in the same way, it's, you know, you can imagine it's not so hard to be right. judgmental with other people. So what happened then, you know, after, after you, I mean, because I, I remember having uh, at various points in, in the whole process, uh, certain doubts arising and uh, sort of changing my way that I was relating to the world and the teaching and those sorts of things. Um, and for me, that was hard. I mean, like it, it was almost as if I was telling, you know, the person I loved the most, like, I'm sorry, I just, I just can't do that anymore. It, it was, it was an, a lot of inner struggle. So did you experience that too, when you started to kind of let go of this sort of rigidity that, that you were holding on to? Oh God, the letting go I, I think I might have mentioned to you before in a previous conversation. It, it's 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 an addiction, and it's it's like going cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Well, not, not necessarily cold turkey, but it's like uh, you're letting go. I did go cold turkey eventually because, you know, you're trying to ease yourself or wean yourself off of being as fanatical, but that's really hard because right. going cold turkey is the only real well, it was the only solution for me. Um, and and what I did was. You have to accept, first of all, you kind of have to accept that this, I can't, I can't expect myself to be as good a yogi um, if I'm, you know, basically, if, if, if I'm going to stop doing the practices of a yogi, I need to be able to see myself as a yogi all the same. Um, how am I going to do that? So there's this huge kind of conflict, I suppose, going on. Um, and, you know, sitting to meditate, every time you sit to meditate, you get this, you get the kick, you get the buzz, or you get the, you get the communion, essentially. You're having this communion with yourself at a deep level, and you're having the community, that expansive consciousness. Um, and then when you're not doing it, uh, you, where do you get the kick? It's, <laughs> uh, and it's, 
it was hard because it's basically every structure that you had in place or you've established, and I had established it over 10 years, you know, more. So every structure I put in place to define who I was, to define not just as a yogi, but as a person, this was my whole life. And so to break it down, um, yeah, it's, it, I would say you nearly say that it was semi-traumatic, you know, or if, if not traumatic. And it's just because you're not doing it in isolation, you're doing it in the context of what well, I was doing it in the context of my life experiences. So right. everything that was going on was, uh, it was, yeah, it was sort of like just being kicked around for a good while. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and in the past, you know, yoga would have been the thing you go to. Meditation would have, if, if I was feeling mentally unstable or, you know, feeling a tumult of emotions that I, you know, you go into meditation and reflect and whatever. But um, I didn't have that because I was letting go of it. So, right. Yeah. So, so did you, uh, I'm just trying to kind of put myself in that, that space again. Um, so did you, did you learn that you were actually okay, even though you weren't defining yourself in those, those, those old ways or holding yourself to that same kind of rigid routine? Yeah, like it, it wasn't overnight. Uh, because also you have in your head going on is um, like the masters are there, you know, they're, 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 you know, that, that connection that you, you remind yourself of so regularly during the day, you know, with the lineage and, and with all the teachers that have given you so much. And you, there's a sense of failure and letdown and guilt that goes on for a while. But I started to realize that they weren't judging me, you know, nobody mm -hmm. was judging me. The only judge was myself. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, you gradually come to realize, you know what, I think what the biggest real, there's a couple of big realizations um, and it's hard for me to be, go through them all, but it, it, the hugest, the biggest one was that um, everything's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and the second one was, uh, I know nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, I know absolutely nothing. Because that's the thing, you, you know, when you're, when you're studying yoga and you do get so many concepts and you spend so much time trying to come to terms with what reality is, as is being expounded by people who have mastered life in this realm and who have mastered um, certain practices in order to be able to, in order to be able to live a life in harmony with, everything that it is um, right. and you're trying to get your head around how it's all been explained and then you're you know you're you have your own self-talk on top of it and you've got everything going on that it's it's it just becomes a mess inside your head when it came it became a mess inside my head mm -hmm. and i thought i had it all worked out mm -hmm. um but it, it's very refreshing as it just as i stopped meditating and i stopped committing to the practice and being so um rigorous in in just being mechanical about the whole thing and you know and, and when i stopped reading the same concepts over and over they started to i suppose they were still there obviously but i wasn't brooding over them or trying to get i wasn't trying to uh first of all i wasn't trying to make sense of them then i wasn't feeling proud that i knew them all and then i wasn't <laughs> able to uh, reiterate them in conversations with other people so it was literally like they were there but they had no uh, they weren't defining me anymore. And, it, right. and, and so it just got to a point when I realized that they are just concepts. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and they actually have no real weight at all. Um, and so it was very, and even now it's all the time, you know, you know, I'm reading something or going back over something I used to know before. I was just listening about the gunas earlier on. Different things that I, I knew quite well. 
but it just it, it doesn't have the same it's not the same anymore it's not like uh, uh it's like oh i need to thrive on this concept now it's right like, yeah so. and that's uh, oh, that just brings up so many different directions because on one hand you know i, I this is the reason I wanted to have this conversation because I appreciate, you know, what you're sharing and your perspective. On the other hand, what keeps kind of popping back up into my mind is that, uh, well, what do we, is this really going to be a great conversation for people who are just sort of halfway into it? And again, am I being judgmental there? And when I say that, I mean, people want to, people want to, to practice meditation and they want to, to realize and recognize, you know, these, these uh, super conscious states and experiences. And personally, I don't think most people can or do because they don't, they aren't, they don't have the discipline and they don't have the ability to um, say, organize their diet and exercise regularly and, and try to keep dramatic people as, you know, manage them within your life, those sorts of things. So on one hand, I'm appreciating what we're discussing, but on the other hand, I'm afraid of the people who are kind of not quite into it and say, well, see, I don't have to worry about it anyway. And then yeah. you understand? Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because I, I've been writing some things recently. And you know, like when you look at, when you're looking at my, let's say narrative, my story, it's not really a very good one for promoting <laughs> <laughs> the life of a yogi, you know, it's, right. it's, but I am not at all uh, opposing the life of a yogi. It's just that, I misconstrued what that actually meant right. um, for a long time, and I nurtured the wrong interpretation. And I suppose if, you, if you're going to, like for anybody listening who may, may be beginning their practice or maybe you know, new to the world of yoga or whatever it might be, um, that like I, I see it now. Discipline is super important. Mm -hmm. Discipline is super important. But discipline, the way I had discipline down was uh, meditation, uh, what I eat, um, basic lifestyle principles. But I think it's very important to kind of put in there that discipline is in the way you're thinking. Um, and uh, it's not just about the practical things. Like discipline is about you holistically, physical, mental, and emotional. It's, it's, it's because I think that one thing that I, you know, you, you, I could have bettered uh, my practice with was I did have tendencies to go down certain ways of thinking, certain ways of feeling, you know, uh, I had that and I recognized it in myself and I knew it was there, but I didn't have the discipline. I had the discipline to get up in the morning, I had the discipline to eat the right foods, all that kind of discipline, but I didn't have the discipline to um, create boundaries in order to, uh, in order to guide myself when I got into uh, an old behavioral pattern that wasn't good for me. So I think discipline needs to be holistic it can't just be about you know uh, getting up at the right time and doing the doing the formal practices because I, I think that's how you can create the illusion that you're a great yogi right. <laughs> it's because you're doing all those formal practices but you know when nobody's looking and in your own head and at other times you're doing stuff that you know you're not you, you would never like anybody to know about <laughs> right right but but you i i i, I was at the Kumbhamela there a couple of years ago and um it was a uh, uh, Swami, uh, his name is Muniji, and he had set up camp there for some uh, people from the West. There was a big Brazilian party and things like that. 
Um, when I say Brazilian party, I mean a group of people. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't a group of Brazilians always a party? At least the ones I've met, they always seem to be <laughs> very, very, uh, very lively. <laughs> well, they, they, absolutely. Well, they have a reputation anyway. Yeah. Uh, but actually so saying that, he, they even got him dancing at one point. Could, <laughs> he had lived his life as a, you know, as a Mooney. He hadn't spoken for many years, but I was watching him at one point. And it was very interesting to see how he'd interact with people and how he'd engage in certain kinds of conversation. Obviously, he had created boundaries and limitations in how he wanted to, like he didn't really, at the time I noted that he didn't really interact with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was something that for him was as a monk, he just wasn't going to do it. He would let, he would let his, the female monk who was beside him, she would, he would let her address all the answers to their questions. Mm. Um, and there was, like, up on stage, when you're talking about party there, he was with the uh, Brazilian Baba, I can't remember his name, and he was, they were talking, and, you know, the Brazilian Baba was down with all the dancing. He was of Brazilian culture. He was in it. But Munaji, he was, he, it, he did a little bit, but he didn't let himself get into a, uh, to a space where he was going to compromise what he felt he needed to discipline. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. But it's what, it, what was working for him to stay within the boundaries of what was going to keep him mentally and emotionally stable. And I think that that is not black and white. I think that every person has to come up with, the, you know, that's, that's something that no book can really tell you. They right. can tell you about the relationships. They can tell you about uh, how you, the kind of conversations to get involved in, in a kind of, in a generic kind of way. But in your life, um, you need to discern uh, the things that kind of get you um, you know, get you into thought patterns that you don't, that aren't going to be helpful or get you into uh, conversations with people or maybe even just personal practices that you do just that just not, uh, they're not going to get you anywhere. But no book right. can actually give that to you. And it's re- that's where you're on your own. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's a, that's a very, very important point. I'm glad you, you mentioned that, you know, in, in the Yoga Sutras, whether it's just my own sort of personal interpretation of it or not, but when, uh, when the description or, the definition of Kriya Yoga is given, one of the terms in there uh, refers to um, pers- like personal self-study or, or study of one's own personal mantra. That's kind of yeah. how it, it comes out. And, you know, on one hand, people can kind of take that literally, oh, it's the mantra that personally was given to me my, by my guru. Or it is the study of this thing that, say, for example, Ramana Maharshi calls the self. But there's that other level of it that you're talking about, which is, okay, I'm here. I know that, yes, you know, my hormones, my nervous system, my body will be a, a better, uh, will have a better foundation support to realize higher states of consciousness. If I get on a regular sleep schedule, eat good food and exercise and stretch. Um, I know that, that meditation, if I do it on a regular schedule, that that will help keep me centered. But then there's the rest of the day. And, and, and in the rest of the day, that's where this, the, the individualized aspect of this vast consciousness which we are as a mind body personality like you, you have to you have to engage that it's not just eat right exercise meditate at your prescribed times and then the rest of the time is just see what happens like yeah <laughs> you, you, you pay attention yeah you, you pay attention and if you pay attention you recognize oh well yesterday i, I was somewhat depressed Today, I feel pretty good. It's a good day. You know, the next day, I feel pretty neutral. And, and if you pay attention to that, you start to recognize, number one, that there is that observer, which, which, which is not changing, that, that experiences all that. But then you also recognize, oh, well, you know, uh, if, if I start recognizing I'm going down this particular 
type of thoughts or emotional experience, <clears throat> excuse me, I can, I can find a way to, yeah. to work with that. It doesn't have to just be, uh, again, whatever, and then let it go. Like part of the whole process of Kriya Yoga is every aspect of your life, including those things. Absolutely, yeah. You know? I, I think it was something I heard you, I heard you quoting Yogananda in something you, uh, one of your videos, um, saying that 90% of it is psychological and the other right. 10% just kind of unfolds naturally. Well, not, not, you know, it won't just unfold, but, you know, but it, right. it makes, it, it is it's so much about that. It's the, um, just the holistic, as, as, a, as an expression within this realm, it's holistic, we can't separate um, mm -hmm. what we do on a day-to-day -day level from our practice. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Well, I mean, really, if you think about it, and this is something that's kind of popped into my mind uh, often, why, why are we, why, why were we drawn towards, you know, meditation and Kriya Yoga and spirituality? I mean, if life, uh, if life was, was open and free and we weren't subjected to these sort of ups and downs and so on, I mean, would we really have even cared to touch upon that? And, and, yeah. so, and so if, if, we're, if we're able to live in such a way that we are psychologically healthy, and by that I don't mean reaching a state where everything's just peachy all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean where you recognize that you, you, are a capable, you are capable, meaning that as life comes, you can respond to it, and that's, that's life. That's, that's okay. That's, that's a holistic uh, approach to it and then, then a sense of peace develops yeah so you know it, it's always uh it, it's always interesting having been involved in this for so long uh and then seeing all these different organizations and teachers and the things that they promote and recognizing that that a lot of what, what we're doing it's really just learning how to be alive i mean that's how i that's how i experience it well, that, that's something which kind of um, uh, became more apparent to me because when, when I got into, or when I became aware of coaching as, an, as, a, you know, as a service, as a craft, I, it was around the same time as I was going through um, my reflection on being a yogi. Mm -hmm. And it, it is very interesting when you look at what's going on in the world of self-help or even coaching or like the principles are very very similar uh if not you know derived from directly in some cases but mm -hmm. co coaching has uh quite a few uh practices and cbt cognitive behavioral therapy it's got a lot of uh practices to help people to manage their mind and to gain that kind of mastery over what's going on um so as they're not just being dictated to uh, it, you know, it's more and more prominent everywhere. Um, but when you talk about yoga, I think I heard uh, Ellen Grace O'Brien, she, she described it as the, the manual for life, uh, mm -hmm. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras as the manual for life. And it is that. I think it's, 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 um, it's making it personal to you because there's a lot of concepts in it and there's a lot of ideas in it. And one of the, one of the things which I think... Um, uh, of the yoga sutras which sometimes gets overlooked is the yamas and niyamas because we're so focused on the on the, <laughs> on the internalization and then the concentration of meditation we just want the samadhi you know but the yamas <laughs> and niyamas that's that's like that's pretty much 
like if, if you're missing any one of them in any capacity and they and they and they, the way they can they can apply themselves you know truthfulness is a very very uh broad term you know how do you interpret truthfulness so how <laughs> what does that mean to you and then the defining it and then like that that directly impacts your sitting to meditate every single day so i think the yamas and niyamas are one aspect of the yoga sutras which um we need to have a kind of a personal interpretation of it. Right. Like, like where we've, we've, we've done our own commentary for ourselves and it really makes sense to us and we can live by it. Because um, <laughs> otherwise, it, it our minds would just be up, uh, upset and unsettled. Right. And, and there's a reason that, you know, in the eight limbs of yoga, the yamas and niyamas are the first ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's really a hard thing. You're right. It, it's a hard thing to, to express to people because, as you said, and, and that takes me back to, to that, that question that we had earlier, which was, why are people really wanting to learn this stuff? And, and you mentioned the idea of it, it kind of, uh, the practices and somewhat, some, sometimes being an addiction because, you know, you're not feeling good. Well, you know, uh, some people just go out and have a cigarette. Uh, but what's the yogi do? The yogi says, oh, well, I better go and meditate for a couple hours. I mean, there's, uh, there's this... Yeah that kind of response to things. And, and that's not quite, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's better to go meditate than have a cigarette. I, I'm not going to make any judgments on that, but uh, uh, why are people want, getting into this? Because they want, as you mentioned, the samadhi, they want the oneness experience. They want to know that everything fits, that everything's all right. Like that's, in, at least in my mind, that, that seems to be like a, a driving factor. I mean, how many people have you met that really, I mean, I'm not talking about people you've read about. I'm talking about people you've met that really said, you know why I got involved in meditation? Because I just love God so much. And I just, you know, I mean, have you really met any of them that, that, that sort of started out that way? Well, no, yeah, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, how can you, you know, to love, before you get into any of this and trying, uh, declaring that you love God so much, it kind of means that you know who he is or she is or it is. or Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I, that that's that's when you talk when you compare the comparisons with the cigarettes and or chocolate or whatever your go-to is when you're in a difficult situation. I think that is um, quite valid because if I have an issue, whatever it might be, with a relationship with somebody at work or a different thing, meditation can be good to kind of get objective and mm -hmm. you know have a look at it from from that uh, clear objective awareness, um, but. I found myself not 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 always because um, I had an issue or something, but sometimes meditation was it's the communion that takes place because there's a you get into a state which is very um, well it's that it's that blissful state and you get into a very blissful state and the memory of that when you're participating in the life or something's going on and something doesn't go your way or something. You know, ordinarily, you would have to confront the situation or make uh, some kind of effort to harmonize the situation or, you know, to work things out. Um, and for some people, they might go for a cigarette and then afterwards go back and sort it out. But maybe uh, from my own experience, it was a case of going into meditation and then ex expecting that illumination <laughs> to kind of just, just be able to put me as the superior person in the uh, conflict or in the argument, you know, because it gives you this sense of righteousness. I think mm -hmm. that is um, isn't the same for somebody who's smoking a cigarette or chocolate. <laughs> and, right. and 
And then when you, so it could lead to a couple of different reactions. It could be that you're sitting in the meditation and you're like, okay, I'm grand now. Everything's fine because I have, I've done this communion and I'm, I'm sick. But you haven't actually dealt with the matter at hand. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the case that you get into that state and you go to try and deal with the matter at hand. But you're so, you know, you're so, I'm doing inverted commas here. You're so illuminated and so righteous now that, that the other person, you know, they can't even relate to you because you're not even coming at them from the understanding of what the issue is. You know, you're a bit more high and mighty about the whole thing. Right. Yeah, if, if, the, if, if, they just, if they just knew everything was consciousness, well, then they would yeah, understand. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, 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 I, the, like the word that comes to my mind and is, is just it's meditation can be a great way to just escape um, right. when things aren't going well uh, or going the way you like them to go. And if in my practice, I definitely, because I remember Roy Davis, um, it's so often he would talk about the story with him meeting Yogananda and how Yogananda would say, you know, it's not a path of escapism. And Roy would tell the story, like he'd make a point of telling the story every time there was a retreat. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to it and kind of go, yeah, that's not me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think it's a very valid question that we all have to sit down and ask ourselves. Like when I, I am a yogi now and uh, I am meditating and I'm doing all, I'm, I'm giving over this so much of my life to these formal practices. And then I'm uh, intending to incorporate all these other things into the way I live my life. What am I doing it for? Like, what is it all about? And, uh, when I sit to meditate, I've got my routine. Why, why do I get upset if somebody walks into the room in the middle of my meditation? Like, what is it that, about that that really upsets me? Because there's just so many uh, things that we kind of have to con- take into consideration when we think of this is me. See, this is me doing my my spiritual practices. Uh, it just it kind of the whole idea of separateness and the whole idea of all things being one. Um, I think they kind of just rehash right. the idea that we just need to remind ourselves that it, it, nothing really matters. You know, it's kind of like you just do the practice and don't get so hung up in it. Right. Yeah. That's, um, you, you know, when I kind of think back to how I thought, how I thought yoga worked, you know, my sense was, uh, well, if I, if I, if I, like you, if, I, if I'm disciplined with waking up at the same time every day, meditating for a couple hours every day, eating the right food, you know, stopping myself from being surrounded by you know, really dramatic people, my thought was uh, that then I won't have to worry about anything because life is just going to go exactly, there won't be anything to contend with. Yeah. And um, I, I think a lot of people might have that kind of perspective when, you know, even, even, Mr. Davis, when he would talk about, uh, say, problem solving, he wasn't against problem solving. He never said, just do all these things and everything will be perfect all the time. What he would say is, if you meditate, you know, don't, don't, don't problem solve in your meditation. But if, if life is happening, then meditate and get as clear as possible. And, mm-hmm. then, and then do the problem solving or the brainstorming afterwards. Yeah because you'll be in a clearer state for it. But it didn't stop there. It wasn't just brainstorm, problem solve. It was now go attend to whatever you know to do is right to work that out. Yeah, that's the third step is crucial. <laughs> well, and then the fourth step, and then the fourth step, which goes to uh, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, 
We are, yeah. enti- we are entitled to action only, not the fruits of our actions. So again, yes. and, and you, you let me know if you can relate to this. It's, this was the, the pattern that I had. It was, uh, obviously, I, I also got involved early on. So it was, okay, if you just follow the procedures and formulas perfectly, then <clears throat> nothing bad is going to happen. And then uh, if something does come up, well, then we follow, uh, meditate, we, we brainstorm, and then we, we attempt to do what we know is going to be right, that's yeah. going to help balance the situation. But even there, I would get stuck thinking that if I, if I meditated, brainstormed, came to an inspired decision, then everything would work out perfectly after that. And I, I was leaving out that fourth step of, we are entitled to action only, not the fruits of our action. So it's almost as if the full range of it is have the foundation of your discipline so that life is as solid as it possibly can be. And then be open and adaptable to relating to life as it presents itself. And then even after you've done your best, you have to let go of the attachment to things going your way. You, you just, that's not going to get anyone anywhere in the long term. But it's, it's a hard thing to swallow, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it's, you know, I think we're getting to a space which, you know, I'm not always very good at uh, explaining things, but in, ter- in this context, but it's, uh, it's kind of like the crux of the whole practice because mm-hmm. life is life. And, you know, the, the, the representation here of life to this body that is speaking to Ryan right now, you know, even the things I'm saying to you in this podcast, um, I don't know what the, you know, whose ears these, it'll fall on and I don't know if it'll benefit anybody in any way or, you know, it's kind of just trusting it. Um, Mm. And it's, it's, I think it's that just accepting that uh, Mm. life is just doing its thing and, 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 and we do our best. And so when you sit down to meditate and you get into that state of mind, you get objective, then you look at the problem and you, you come about with ways that might work, but ultimately, Mm. ultimately life's just doing its thing. And, uh, you know, and that's all you are is just a part of that life. Uh, I, I, I find that that sense of unity with the flow of all things is, um, uh, is kind of just reassuring that I don't need to get, every, I don't need to tick all the boxes all the time because sometimes <laughs> life doesn't, life doesn't want to tick the box. Life actually wants things to go shit <laughs> because, <laughs> because it, it, that, that's going to have another, you know, I just, I can't know. I just don't, I just don't know everything. Well, and that's a very important point, and that's just the cycle of life. I mean, yeah. things are born, they grow old, they die, they rot, they recycle. Things are born, they grow old, they die, they rot, they recycle. Things are, you know, it, it just keeps happening. And, and it, the more we avoid that, and I think, you know, I think that, you know, you mentioned the, the whole pandemic issue here. P- possibly, maybe that might really bring that to people's awareness uh, this whole experience, because, you know, when, as I was reflecting over the last maybe 20, 30, 40 years of human history, um, I know there have been difficult, difficult areas in the world where things haven't been so good and even outright brutal. But it seemed to me like the majority of the, the human population with the advent of the internet and all these different ways of communicating and, and, and having things shipped around the world and I mean, just amazing advances. It, it makes me think that the humans over the last 20 to 40 years have really become kind of unaware of the fact that they are part of life, <laughs> nature. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to swallow sometimes. But like you said, if you can 
if you can kind of re realize and relate to that flow of life and, and that, that you are that life, you know, you use the word reassuring. Uh, to me, it feels very peaceful because it's like, I don't have to figure everything out. Yeah. But I know, I, I don't know, I feel, I experience this wholeness. And, and, and that's, that, that in, a, in a way kind of feels like a, 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 a deeper sense of faith rather than the faith of if I do A, B, and C, and D, then E is going to happen. <laughs> you know, that, is that faith? <laughs> yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's a form of realization because, mm -hmm. because when you're living with that, well, if you're living with that continuously, that contentment, reassurance, the trust, the faith in, in it's like it's not my gig you know it's mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 the i'm gonna say the divine's gig but you know it's it's life's gig it's the it's pure consciousness gig it's it's just a gig it's happening and uh and um yeah there's no there's no right or wrong it's not black and white you know it's just i don't want to say there's no right or wrong but there's no black and white it's not black and white and it's that's why i think you know when you have the concepts of yoga and you've got this the structure of how to practice it this is this is great you know because it gives you that streamlined um known to work way right. of of disciplining the body and the mind and the emotions um at at the same time there's aspects of it which you definitely need to uh you need to work out on your not work out on your own but you need to apply it and reflect on it in your own life and for me you know i i i of late i've uh, tended to um, I've gotten some therapy, which in Ireland is, is uh, you know, in the last few years, it's become more, uh, let's say, every day. But it was there's a huge stigma to that for many, many years. Mm -hmm. But I think I think that it's beneficial for people to really accept that there's a lot in their head that they're not always willing to look at, and it, it's 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 it can be beneficial just to get cleared up uh, rather than thinking that you can just work through everything on your own. Uh, right. If you're meditating, you know. Well, yes, and that's. Ah, well, the beginning of the Yoga Sutra is where it states, and now, uh, and, and now instruction in yoga. And my undergraduate was in psychology, so I, I had some insights into this, and, and I was never averse to getting counseling when I needed, even, even now. You know, after Melissa passed, that was something I really had to do. You know, my spirituality helped to keep me meditating and working through this stuff, but I still needed that extra support in order to work out the stuff that Ryan was processing. Yes. Um, and going back to that quote of, uh, and now instruction in yoga practice, personally, it, it seems to me that it, it is extremely important to spend some time working out whatever your own little psychological complexes and quirks are, because if you don't work them out before you start going into something like uh, meditation and uh, self-realization, you're going to, if your goal is something like self-realization, you're going to bring all those fantasies and conditions and quirks and attachments and aversions into your practice. And it's going to be so subtle. You're not even really going to know that it's there. <laughs> yeah. And so, it can be shocking. <laughs> once you realize it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I liked uh, how Roy, I remember how he used to he used the word karma, but he didn't use it a lot. He referred more to subconscious tendencies. And I think when you say it like that, subconscious tendencies, like the subconscious mind, and there's a lot going on in there <laughs> that, mm -hmm. uh, um, that, you know, if we put the word karma on it, it has this whole other, uh, let's say, power or uh, way, of, you know, 
we treat we treat it in a certain way. It's just my karma. It's karma, whatever. But when mm -hmm. you say subconscious tendencies, it gives you an, it gives you the power back a little bit. It, you know, it gives you that chance, like you said, to really take time out and and work through it and and uh, get to the bottom of things. Right. So we didn't quite get around to the point. So maybe we can do this now. The point where we kind of discussed your reentry back into. Uh, meditation practice and those sorts of things. So what, what was that like and, and how, how is your experience different now uh, that you're kind of, you've reevaluated, you've took some time and now you're, you're kind of re, re, restarting, reigniting the process? Well, I, so I did about two years of hard detox <laughs> okay. when I came back to Ireland and it, that continued because I was restarting my life and reestablishing my life here in Ireland again. So for about another year, I still continued a kind of a semi-detox. Well, you know, I wasn't meditating. But then uh, I would meditate, but I just didn't have the discipline. I wasn't, um, I wasn't as scheduled or routine. And it was, very, it was far more spontaneous and haphazard. And there could go weeks when I might not meditate, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, maybe then another day, I'd try and meditate for two or three weeks. But one, or two or three hours. But one thing you start to notice is... Um, is the mind uh, and just how much of an impact meditation actually has <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, of relating to the world. Um, so let me try and answer your question more directly and not be too Irish. <laughs> 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 only all Irish on you. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so in the last six months, I'd say I've had more of a scheduled routine. Um, and it was small, you know, maybe 30 minutes once a day and then just building on it. Um, one thing I, I refrained from a lot is just reading a lot of texts. Mm. Um, it was more about really just having the experience, you know, because I have a lot of, you know, you know, I have all of the seeds that were planted many years ago. So all that stuff is in there. Um, but then in the last, like since maybe the last three weeks, maybe last five weeks, actually, I've been, I've been more... Um, associating with the information, the concepts, uh, mm -hmm. and kind of re, uh, become reacquainted with them. But as I mentioned, it's a different relationship now. Um, and actually, the whole thing is slightly different uh, in terms of, you know, do I call myself a yogi? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit cautious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that might just be me, you know. Um, uh. And then there's just, uh, like, the meditation practice. As I said, I, I, sitting to meditate is... It's, it's still amazing in terms of I, I, I enjoy the process. I enjoy uh, um, just not, this, not the techniques. It's not like I'm enjoying the techniques, but I like the, the, the communion that comes <laughs> about of it. And obviously, I want to transcend the communion and I want to experience um, greater insight. Um, well, it's a personal practice at the moment. I, uh, I'm not out there teaching or doing anything like that. And I've um, I, I found that in the last couple of years, because I haven't been heavily involved in meditation and yoga, I've built up social circles with people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And I've been enjoying, you know, fulfilling my heart's desires, you know, as you've mentioned. And, um, and I, I've, I've been able to just appreciate life as a person involved in life. As right. opposed to as a as a yogi who had this regimented uh, way of looking at things, but now I'm incorporating incorporating meditation into that, and I it just feels like it won't have a clutch on me 
right. in, in this kind of in this way of you know making me feel guilty or not. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 a pleasure to be able to meditate, but it's not a chore. You know, uh, so it's good. So it's more it's more uh, obviously personal in that you're having the the personal experience, and then you're just going into your life and you're relating to the people that are there that you, that you've met and, and it's just more natural and easy. Is that kind of the, how you might describe it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I suppose, because I'm more rounded as an individual now. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and I have friends who, you know, I have friends who may have dabbled in meditation, may have done what they thought was meditation, but might have just been a five-minute relaxation technique, you know. But right. I don't judge them, and that's fine, and we have conversations, you know. I'll even have a pint with people from time to time. But I, 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 I sit and meditate as something which is, it doesn't define who I am. Uh, right. But it, it gives me access. It gives me access. It gives me that opportunity to get access into understanding what I truly am. And, and, and it's, just, it's just that, it's that, uh, that privilege to be able to do that. And when you talked about that you hadn't been reading as much or studying as much texts and that you've kind of had a, a different, um, um, maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but, but kind of like a, a different relationship with like uh, maybe the principles or the philosophy, is it more that you are actively engaging them in in life rather than sitting around thinking like oh yeah i know the yamas and the yamas and truthfulness you know don't covet anything yeah, yeah. sure i've got all that is is it more of like a i'm i'm actually really working them into my life versus just kind of keeping them as a a, a text that you you know you've read and then you understand the philosophy of that that's that's a really funny well not as funny as in uh, strange because you should say that because when I was doing the whole detox, even though I wasn't meditating, all the concepts are there, all of mm-hmm. them. Um, and so I was doing that during the detox, you know, uh, I, because when you're meditating, you have all the information, you meditate, and it's just, you don't really apply the information uh, in a way that maybe we, it would better it suit you. Uh, <laughs> but when, I, when I did the detox, I got to take the information and really look at the information rather than mm-hmm. just meditating. Um, so when, now that I'm going back to meditating and uh, it's, it's like all those concepts, I can see why they're concepts. <laughs> right. kind of like, I can see why they were there in the first place and how um, I, di- I just didn't always, I just wasn't in the space to really appreciate them maybe. Right. Um, and so now when, I, when like, I watch a video on YouTube, or I, it's like, oh, I remember learning that. Or I remember hearing that. Or I remember reading that umpteen times. But it's like the whole other light shone on it because... Mm what's been going on is I've experienced more of life and I've experienced uh, the concept. I've, I've experienced the actual concept within life. Like if we talk about the gunas or whatever, you know, before that's all theoretical and you're talking about stuff and you can know about that and you can reflect on it and feel like you have it all understood. But when, you, when, you, when I was going through the kind of, that, let's say the detox phase and I wasn't doing any of the meditation, those gunas and the way you, you look at yourself um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you are experiencing the concept and, mm-hmm. and it's not about just breaking it down into words and understanding. It's kind of like this unconscious reflection that's going on constantly. Right. Uh, and so now when I read about it, I kind of get, it's just this, it's almost like I'm more familiar with the processes of life or something. Yeah. It's, very, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to uh, convey, Ryan. I hope I'm doing an all right job. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, yeah. So, 
if you, I, you know, I, I know this isn't really probably going to be helpful because if, like, for example, if I was in, you know, 19 or 20 and, and I had uh, you now to, to tell me, you know, th this is how you're going to probably think it's supposed to work and this is how it actually works, I probably wouldn't have listened to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as a futile, as a, a futile attempt, let's say that you, you, you do, let's say that in Ireland you, you recognize your, your calling to teach uh, Kriya Yoga meditation over there and you, you decide to really get into it and, and people come to one of your talks and they're in their late teens or early 20s and you can see the zeal and fanaticism in their eyes. Um, what would you say to... What, could you or would you say anything to them uh, to help maybe try to avoid the initial kind of trap that you or I fell into in the, in the beginning? Yeah. Do you think it's so, possible? I think, I think it is. I think it's very important for a young individual, especially when they're, um, you know, they're embarking on their new adult life. And I think it's important to have roundedness. So like in coaching, they have this tool called the wheel of life and it's used in different things. But, you know, you're looking at different aspects of your life, like your, your family and your relationships and then your, your involvement in the community and work and different aspects of your life. And I think, and spirituality is one of those aspects. It's, called, it's titled spirituality in the field. But like we're trying to integrate uh, a practice into our lives, which, is, which sees no separation really between spirit and nature you know we have those terms spirit and nature but it's really all just one experience um mm. and so i think for it, it would be important for a young individual and for anybody really but for a young individual to just to understand that uh, as much as the the zeal that they have for meditation and other things uh they they to be responsible for uh taking um i suppose action and responsibility for the other aspects of their life because you don't want to find them become going derailing because they've missed out on relationships or they've missed out on um, things which later they'll see as having been important uh, i'm not saying that it, it's like a black and white thing that you know maybe someone is suitable for the monkhood and you know that's exactly what they should be doing is just focusing on the more formal practices and spiritual aspects of things but what i mean is just to have them reflect on it uh, mm -hmm. rather than just get caught up in a whirlwind of um of like just fanatical meditation all the time hoping that everything will work out because also at a young age at a young age we are very insecure and there's a lot of things going on that you know that 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 yoga gives you it gives you access to knowledge, which not, not everybody has. And it gives you the sense of like, I know stuff that not everybody knows. So it's kind of empowering, but also gives you a sense of superiority in some mm -hmm. ways. If, whether you show it or not, it doesn't matter. It's going on in your head. And then like there's, there's aspects of, uh, you, as, a, as a, in your early 20s and mid 20s, you can feel insecure in other areas like social life. So it might be easier for you to stay at home than to go out and stay at home and meditate than to go out. So I think it's important just, I would say two things, just to look at your life holistically. And the second thing would be um, if, if you feel like it's not, if you feel like it, it's good to talk to someone, just to have someone to kind of talk to about mm -hmm. things, not necessarily that you're, they're, they're influencing or directing your life or getting an opinion or giving you advice on different things but just to have a soundboard, somebody that you can actually just hear what you're saying out uh, <laughs> or what you're thinking, what's going on in your mind, because the mind can be very tricky.
Right. Yeah. And so when you, uh, when you think back um, and you kind of remember uh, when, when you first got involved in, in, in meditation and, and met Mr. Davis and, and sort of all the things that you've gone through, um, I, I guess it seems to, what I hear you kind of sharing is that it's important to have those foundational structures to your life that, that yoga can give, but it's also very important to actually live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I wrote an email to Mr. Davis, um, like just, I suppose I had been about two years of having stopped meditation and I was just, you know, he, he had given me a lot of his time. Um, we had personal meetings while I was there and he allowed me to spend time on CSA for like many weeks on end, you know, and it wasn't something that everybody could do. And, and I had a great privilege there. And so he, he, I wrote him an email and I just kind of owned up to the fact that, you know, I kind of had, I hadn't been meditating and I had kind of, I hadn't been honest with him all the time because I was realizing certain things about myself, you know, just everything was kind of, the shit had hit the fan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just realizing, oh God, you know, all these meditation for so many years and all this receiving of information. And I had no idea who I really was in this context or that context, you know. And, I, and so I wrote him an email and he just wrote back um, very simply, uh, self-honesty is fundamental if we want to experience any progress on this path. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like he wasn't, he, he, was, he was appreciative of the email, but he wasn't judging me or anything. It was just, he was just saying that self-honesty is key. And right. I think, but self-honesty is a really hard thing sometimes because we're in our own head. And uh, we think we have all the answers and it's just, it's not always that clear cut. <laughs> so uh, yeah, having a good teacher or a good soundboard or somebody, you know, that you can, you can get a, a bit of a, an echo back on those things is good. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, David, it's been wonderful talking to you. I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wasn't sure what I was going to actually say on this podcast. <laughs> I trust that it'll uh, it'll bear some meaning for some people. And uh, obviously, I, I am an advocate of the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and uh, I, I, um, my experience is my experience, and it's not. You know, that's the thing. That's the joy of life. Anybody right. can have. You know, it's not. It's not that black and white. Right. Well, uh, you know, what, what you shared was 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 very helpful because I too. Since you had asked me earlier, was well, there going to be a script? Should we plan? I figured, no, nah, we'll just wing it, see how it goes. Um, yeah. But I, I think we touched upon uh, some very important points for people that are, number one, getting started on this path so that they can really take some time to think about what they're doing, why they're doing it. But also, it was wonderful to talk to you because you had been so committed and so serious, and you took a little break and came back around to it uh, with some kind of fresh eyes. That there, there are plenty of people out there who've been practicing for years and might kind of need a little bit of a the same kind of uh, boost towards, all right, well, let's, let's be a little more self-honest to see why am I doing this and kind of reevaluate things. So... I think it'll be good. So thank you so much for, for being here with us today. Well, thank you, Ryan. Too. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take you care. take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.